Here we end our lessons. Before we move into a shorter message for this morning, I thought now would be a great time. We're all gathered here. We have to stand up one more time. I know we've been standing and sitting a lot. Let's stand up one more time and greet each other. Say Merry Christmas to those who are standing around next to you. Well, as you're finding your seat again, just a few quick announcements, things happening in the life of our church. You can turn to page seven and see some of these listed. First off, if you are visiting with us, if your family in town, if your friends who have um, come uh, to worship with us on this Christmas Day service, we are so glad to welcome you. So welcome and Merry Christmas to you. If you are new and you'd like to learn more about our church, there's a little card that is there in the pews in front of you. It says Connect Card. One of the things we love to do at Trinity is welcome anybody who's visiting with us. So there's that little card in front of you, and that's the way that we know that you were here with us, and so we can follow up with you and answer any questions you have uh, about our church. One thing that you might have noticed on the way in is we have these new, they're called CBR Journal. CBR stands for Community Bible reading. This is a last-minute Christmas gift that you can give to yourself <laughs> if you enjoy giving yourself Christmas gifts. So it's uh, what we do here at Trinity is we are looking to build a culture of reading the Bible together in community. So this is the tool we use. It's a journal. It has a plan, a Bible reading plan in there. So we got them here before the new year. The new schedule kicks in on January 1st, so you can pick those up on your way out. Um, also, just a few notes, kids' ministry. Uh, this week, of course, we don't have our normal kids' ministry. Next week, it begins again. We'll have some, probably some combo classes next week, but the teachers will be back, and we'll have our children's ministry in place next week. And one final thing about uh, next Sunday. So this is one of those years where Christmas Day is on uh, Sunday, and New Year's Day is on a Sunday as well. So it's this double back-to-back -back holiday um, Sunday. So next week, I'm actually doing a pulpit swap. So I'm swapping with a pastor named Jeff Sur in Irvine. So he'll be here. He'll be preaching. I think you guys will really enjoy him. We are in the same denomination, partnering together. And so this is a chance for us uh, to be with each other's congregation. He'll be here next week. All right. That's all uh, by means of introduction and words of welcome. We are now going to look at this passage that I just ended, lesson, or I just read as we ended our lessons uh, with reading number six. And this is the story from Matthew chapter two about the wise men. This Advent, we've been looking at how Matthew tells the story of the birth and the infancy of Jesus. And we've seen how the significance of Jesus and Christmas can be summed up 
in two short words, there they are on, on the screen if you're looking up there with us, that Jesus, Matthew, is trying to tell us in all sorts of different ways, Jesus is God with us. These two words are how Matthew sums up the whole story of his birth, of his infancy, the whole story of Jesus, his birth, his death, his resurrection, and his mission. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So today we're going to be looking at finishing up this series and looking at how Matthew wants to tell us that Jesus, especially as he introduces him at his birth and in his early years, that Jesus is God with us for our joy. Some of you have opened presents already. Anyone? You opened presents? I know you did. So we were up at probably about 5.50, 5.55 this morning, and the kids were downstairs opening their presents. That is a highlight, right, of Christmas, opening presents. Maybe you still have some to open um, today or this week. When I was a kid, I loved to open presents. One of my favorite presents that I got multiple Christmases was anything that had to do with Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Star Wars figures. I love my Star Wars figures. And when I got a new Star Wars figure, I would say, yes, I am the happiest person in the world because of this Star Wars figure that I got. And I would play with it and love it all day long. And then the next day I would wake up and I would look at my brother's Star Wars figures that he got. And I would think, I want those instead. So the glimmer and the shine just started to wear off a little bit. No matter how good of a Christmas present I got, no matter how awesome of a Christmas it was, it always tended to wear off in a day or maybe a couple days. So Christmas, we have a lot of hype, we have presents, we have family and friends and vacation, all kinds of things we do during the holidays. I think it's one of the best times all year for us to learn a very important lesson. And C.S. Lewis, we'll look at what he said about this lesson, if we can jump to that slide, two slides from here. It's a great time of year to learn this lesson that C.S. Lewis described in Mere Christianity about happiness and joy. We'll see if we can, here it comes. One more, there it is. He said this, God designed the human to run on himself God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it is not there. There's no such thing. According to Matthew, this is one of the most important lessons of Christmas. The story of the wise men and King Herod is a story about that kind of happiness that we were made to run on. The kind of happiness we were made for. And how we can find that lasting, that deep, that true joy in God who is with us. So back in Matthew's day, obviously he didn't have Microsoft Word, so he couldn't type up his gospel, but he was writing it out, and when they wanted to emphasize something, they couldn't use bold or italics or underline things. And so when, in this time, when they were writing something and they wanted to emphasize it, they wanted to bold it, what they would do is use repetition. So maybe you have your Bible. I know we don't have the passage printed out here, but if you have your Bible, open it up to Matthew 2. I want you to look at verse 10 because Matthew uses this technique. He uses four words 
to talk about one thing, and that one thing is joy. The joy that the wise men experience. It says they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. Those are four words, all describing the joy of the wise men. And it's his way, it's Matthew's way of saying, this is what the story of the wise men is all about. This is a story about this kind of joy. So if you're following along in the outline, we're going to look at three points here, three ways that Matthew gets this across. The story of the wise men teaches us that true joy is found by searching diligently, secondly, by falling down, and third, by opening our treasures. And so this is, as we'll see, a contrast of two characters, King Herod and the wise men. So let me first begin, and I'm going to need my slide in just a moment. Actually, let's go there right now with the nativity scene. We have to do a Christmas Mythbusters on this scene, okay? Some of you know this already, but maybe you don't. But this nativity scene, as you see it, kids, you see any problems with this nativity scene? Shh, wait. Don't say anything. So this nativity scene, as we know it, is a lie. I'm sorry if that breaks your heart. But there are some people in this scene who were not there for the birth of Jesus. Some of you may know who they are. Go ahead, say it. The wise men. There they are. They're crossed out. They were not there for the birth of Jesus. And that's okay because the Bible doesn't say they were there. The Bible says they came later, probably a year or two later. And that's what Matthew is telling us. He's telling us a story. We don't know if there were three of them. There were probably more than one, but they had three gifts. So that's where the idea of three wise men comes from. Who are the wise men? Who are the wise men? And ladies, I've seen the shirt that says three wise men. Are you serious? But that's, we're not going to talk about that. The wise men were astrologers, astronomers. And back then, an astrologer and astronomer was kind of the same thing. There wasn't really any difference. They were students of the stars. They looked to the stars with science, but also for meaning, trying to interpret the future and the significance of events that were to come. So they came from Persia, from Babylon, from modern-day Iraq, at least a 40 days journey from that place. So we might be used to hearing the story of the wise men, and going, yeah, okay, wise men, maybe they weren't there, but that's a part of the Christmas story. But the people who were reading this story for the first time would have heard these magi, these magicians, these astrologer, astronomers coming from these far-off places. These would be people like that person who shows up to a party who was not invited. And they come in, and the host is like, oh, hi, and who are you? How did you get invited here? That's what they would have thought about the wise men. Why are these guys coming? They don't know anything about our story, the story of Israel. They're using all these methods. We don't use these methods of astrology and astronomy. These pagan magi discover the Messiah of Israel before anyone else. Why is that? Matthew's making a point. He's saying that the outsiders find Jesus with questionable means. Astrology while the insiders, who have all the right resources, totally miss him. The Magi searched diligently, following a star, while the leaders of Israel, who had the scriptures, who read the scriptures, 
They totally dismissed and ignored Jesus. They didn't even bother to look in to the possibility that something was happening, that maybe this is the Messiah who was born. So the ones who found joy were the ones who had to come the furthest to find it. But those close by missed it altogether. It's Herod, ironically, who says, go and search diligently for the child. While he just remained back. Two things we see about this. One, there's a message for those of us who maybe haven't been to church in forever. Maybe we're coming this morning. We rarely go, or maybe we go sometimes and we consider ourselves kind of an outsider to church. Maybe not a part of Christianity. The message is don't ignore the signs that God is getting your attention. These magi were searching for something beyond what they knew. And when they saw it, they searched. They searched diligently in this mysterious star. And God revealed himself to them. So the message is, if God is trying to get your attention, search. Consider what he's doing. Ask questions. Be curious. Study. Pursue it. On the other hand, there's another message. If you go to church 52 Sundays a year, you never miss a Sunday, you're active in church, you're always doing things, yet you're still missing the joy. Maybe you're missing Jesus. If that's true of us, we have to ask ourselves, what am I diligently searching for in all of my religious activity? Is it Jesus? Or is it what I want to get from him? Am I diligently searching or am I distracted and divided? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Diligent searching is required to find true joy. Secondly, falling down. There are two contrasting postures in this passage. One represents Herod, and the other the wise men, and they represent the attitude and the posture of our hearts. In one of these postures, joy can never break through. But in the other posture, joy floods in. What are these two postures? First, Herod. Herod is the posture of power and pride. Don't put that wish list up yet. Okay, we've got to save that one. So here's Herod. Behind his facade of power and pride was deep fear and insecurity. He met with the wise men. He heard about this king of the Jews that they came to worship, and he was very troubled. He was very distressed by this. This man had done terrible things to get to power and to keep his power. And so the scribes and the priests, he got them to study for them. He tries to tell the wise men, you guys be my spies, you guys be my pawns. I'm going to stay back and cling to power. That's the first posture. And we see as, as Herod is clinging to power and control, he isn't filled with joy or peace. He's just filled with fear and insecurity. And it's the same for us. When we cling to control, when we try to control our lives, when we try to have control and power over our lives, our circumstances, or other people in our lives, there's only fear. There's only insecurity. And in that posture, it's like a firewall around your soul. Joy can't break in. But then there's the wise men, and they show us a posture of humility in worship. Verse 11 tells us the first thing they did when they came into the house 
and they saw Jesus, it says they fell down and worshipped him. Okay, now I need a very brave volunteer, one of the kids. I don't even know if this is going to work, but let's see if it worked. They're in the back. What I want you to do, can you do this? No one? Okay, Elizabeth, you're going to have to demonstrate something for, for all of us. All right? When it says they fell down and worshipped him, what do you think they did? Can you show us? Can you actually walk to the aisle? Any other kids who want to show us? Come on. Who else wants to do this? What do you think it looked like when they fell down and worshipped him? You don't want to do it? Matthew? Thank you, Elizabeth. You could do it. Timothy, you can come out there too. They felt step right there. All the way down. There it is. I don't know if you can see him. There you go. Thank you, Matthew. That's the posture. I don't know if you can see it, but when it says they fell down and they worshipped him to fall down in Hebrew worship was to put your face on the floor. It's the lowest a human being can possibly go on this earth, face down to the floor. It's saying, when you fall down before someone, you're more powerful than me. You are in control here, not me. Christmas list. Did anybody make a Christmas list this year? Hands up, Christmas list. Christmas lists are nice because when you make one, then you often will get something on your list. I'm not going to ask if you got everything on your list. We don't want any tears breaking out right now. But I think... It's not only at Christmas when we have wish lists. Internally, in our minds, in our hearts, year-round we have wish lists that we carry around with us. Things that we hope for. Things that we would say maybe are things we pray about. Things we say, this is what I want my life to look like. So what would happen if we turned these two postures, the posture of Herod and the posture of the wise men, into two wish lists? I think it would look like this, and we can put... Herod's wish list up. This is a Herod wish list. I wish for only what keeps me comfortable, what I can handle in my own strength and resources. I wish to hold on to all of what I have, everything I have, and get more. I wish to achieve great things for my reputation and approval. And the great irony of this wish list is though that it seems to promise us great happiness, this is the type of wish list that if this is what's in our heart, joy can never break through into that. Let's look at the wise man's wish list. What might that look like? A magi list would be something like this, I think. I wish this year to learn what it means to humbly submit. We can go to the next slide. Here it is. I wish to learn what it means to humbly submit. I wish to better know my limits and what it means to surrender. I wish for whatever it takes to keep me on my face before God. Surprisingly, this wish list, if we got everything on it, would put us in the place where true joy is found, falling down. Lastly and finally, the third way that we find true joy is opening our treasures to God. Opening presents is one of the most anticipated moments of Christmas. Yes? Yes. yes. We love to open 
presence. We love to receive them and see what's inside of them. But here we see from the wise men that it's not just opening presents, but the opening of our presents to give. That brought great joy. So what about King Herod? He was a great leader. He had great accomplishments and great wealth. He built an incredible temple in Jerusalem. Legendary. He had a great palace. He did all kinds of public works. He did everything he could to guard and protect what he had and what he thought was his. Any threat to his resources, any threat to his wealth, he quickly stamped out. The treasures of his kingdom, he, he was closed off, he hoarded those for himself. But the wise men, on the other hand, came ready to give their resources. And they gave gold and frankincense and myrrh. Why these gifts? Gold, obviously, was, is valuable now, was very valuable back then. Frankincense and myrrh are the spices and the aromas of royalty. So they came with these great and valuable treasures. And they offered it to Jesus. And in doing so, they found joy. It's a great quote from Charles Spurgeon I want to share with you all. Challenging. He says this. You will never get into the heart of happiness till you become unselfish and generous. You have but chewed the husks of religion, which are often bitter. You have never eaten of the sweet kernel until you felt the love of God constraining you to make sacrifice. Spurgeon is saying, true joy, the type of joy that Jesus came to bring, comes through generosity. What's fascinating is that there's now some science that backs this up. At the University of Notre Dame, there's a sociologist named Christian Smith. He heads up the Science of Generosity Initiative. And they come out with some books and some findings. In their book, The Paradox of Generosity, he says, here are the three major findings of the study so far. We have learned this. First, the more generous Americans are, the more happiness, health, and purpose in life they enjoy. Second, we have excellent reason to believe that generous practices actually create enhanced well-being. Third, despite all of this, it turns out that many Americans fail to live generous lives. Why is that? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons. I think one of the reasons is we have to be set free from the belief that joy is found in what we get rather than in what we give. We've been contrasting King Herod to the wise men, but this passage actually invites us to make a more important comparison between two figures. There's great tension that begins in this story in verse 2, when the wise men come to Herod and they ask him the question, where is he who was born king of the Jews? And Herod is saying, no, I'm standing right here. I'm, I'm the king of the Jews. If you're looking for the king of the Jews, that would be me. Matthew goes out of his way to call Herod king. Twice. Herod the king. He calls him the king later. And we're meant to contrast these two kings. This story is really the tale of two kings. One king lived to be strong. To hold on to power to exalt himself. And when he died, he lost it all. The other king came to be vulnerable and weak. He came to us to humble himself, 
And in his death, he won victory over sin and death and evil and ushered in an eternal kingdom. The next time that Jesus is called King of the Jews in the gospel is in Matthew 27, verse 11. He's called the King of the Jews by Pilate. He says, are you the King of the Jews? And then he writes that phrase on the sign that hung on the cross. Jesus, King of the Jews. Two kings. One who kept it all. One who gave it all away so that we could have joy. And as we search diligently, as we fall down before him, as we open up our treasures to him, we discover first he has sought us out. He has come down to be with us. And he has opened up the greatest treasure, the truest source of joy and happiness, life, eternal life, reconciliation with God. Jesus, God with us for our joy. Please pray with me. Lord, we're thankful that we can be together on Christmas Day. We sing songs that have incredible notes of joy. We know there are messages that are surrounding us that this is the best time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And often we go through the ups and downs of our expectations and anticipations about this season. But I pray we wouldn't miss this. I pray even today as we still celebrate, as we eat with friends and family, as maybe we go and open more presents, I pray that you would break through with true joy, lasting joy, joy that satisfies. Thank you for coming to us so humbly. Thank you for coming to us to remove everything that stands in the way of us finding you, our heart's true and only lasting joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?